since the very dawn of time, father-in-laws have set their daughter's potential suitors on dangerous and mighty quests to prove their worth. Climbing mountains, slaying monsters, and even watching sports. But here in 2020, we just go to the movies with each other. This is the Father-in-Law Cinema Club with Jimmy Eaton and Ken Tyres. Hello, ladies and gentle persons. You have reached the fantastic number episode, number 36 of the Father-in-Law Cinema Club. I am one of the co-hosts, Jimmy James Eaton, comedian, failed actor, Lego enthusiast and uh, filmmaker, writer, and I am joined by my father-in-law, father-in-law of the century, Ken Tyers. Ken, the Big 36. It is too, Jimmy. Big 36. And I turned the uh, the Big 64. Oh, absolutely, sir. Happy yeah. birthday. It was uh, wonderful yeah. to share that with you in stage four lockdown over Zoom. Normally with a birthday, and your, your lovely wife had her birthday too. Uh, which for Not new listeners is Ken's daughter. Maddie, the beautiful Maddie and talented Maddie. And All right, we've, we've well, had, settle down, had, mate. She's not listening uh, yet. Well, she she does listen. She's one of our 10 listeners. We've got at least 18. Yeah, we, we have. I reckon it might be triple that. But, uh, yeah, Jimmy, look, it was fantastic. Uh, and I was, without being able to see you guys, we still had a, a Zoom like we're doing now with our shows. And uh, I was able to celebrate. Yes, it was lovely to celebrate with you, mate. And uh, there's actually, you know, we are in Melbourne, Victoria, in stage four lockdowns, but there's also another Mm. reason to Mm. celebrate. I do believe you have a new member of the family, Ken. I do, I do, or we do. Now, for a very long time, um, you know, your wife, Moira, was, you know, pulling at your coattails, trying to convince you to get a doggo uh, because, of of course, she was inspired by our little wonder pup, Chewbacca, uh, named Mm -hmm. after the Star Wars saga. Uh, He is sleeping on the couch right now. And you were a bit bit kind of Scrooge McDuck, weren't you? You were a bit kind of anti-pup for a while, weren't you? Well, I was, and it's become such a big pastime for people that have been in lockdown. I was reading even today in the paper that rescue dogs, they're, they're demanding up to $2,000 for rescue dogs. Wow. Uh, all, the pa- all the pounds and people that have abandoned dogs, they're empty. You can't get one for love of money. Yes, and everybody wants a COVID companion. Finally, the uh, weird Australian well, phrase, get a dog up here, is uh, becoming more yeah. <laughs> uh, appropriate. Maybe that's, not that's up here, though. Maybe just get a dog. Oh, no, I'm, I'm, not, that, I'm not that close <laughs> to our new pooch. But uh, he, he's very, very nice. He's come over. We flew him over from South Australia. And, uh, I love that you say we, you flew him over as if you have a private we, jet. We, 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 Oh, that's such, <laughs> beautiful, <laughs> such beautiful French you're speaking right now. <laughs> yes, 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 yes. Um, look, no, it was Moira, the, the one that was looking online and she found uh, a dog. She, she did throw a couple up and said, do you like this? Do you like that? Do you like this? And I thought, no, no. And, and this one come along. And its its official name is Bosun. That's what's on its brooding paper. So okay. It, it was a it was it come from a, a lady that bred dogs, yeah. and uh, he was a, a breeder, a male dog, and um, since then he has been doctored or fixed, whatever you like to call it. 
And because she's getting a little bit old to to look after this lovely little poodle. I love it. Uh, I'm getting the full like breeding history of your dog right now. Just in case anybody's listening and thinking, oh, I'd love to crossbreed with Ken's dog. You can't. Uh, the dog has well, been fixed. I'm, think, I'm thinking about unfixing it and uh, starting to what? breed from it. I'll make a bit of money out of it. Well, Jesus, Ken. No, no, I, no I wouldn't don't do, do any backyard oh, fixing no. of dogs. But but no, please, no. What, what, you've, you've kind of uh, slightly adjusted its name. Obviously, my dog Chewbacca is named after a film. And now your dog is named after one of the films that we've reviewed. Is that correct? Well, it is, and I can tell you exactly when we reviewed it, Jimmy. We did re- review it last year. It was our episode number six. It was the classic To Kill a Mockingbird. We, our former dog that had sadly passed away was called Went to Scout. the big field. And, uh, yeah, it was called Scout, yes. Yeah, and a beautiful dog, Scout. And we named it from Scout from the, 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 the young girl, you know, the heroin odds call her in To Kill a Mockingbird, uh, To Kill a Mockingbird, the young daughter. So we, along those lines, we thought we'd name our new dog, Bosun, which they called Bobo is for short. We'd sort of do a bit of a play on words with that and call it Boo, after Boo Radley, who was played by Robert Duvall in To Kill a Mockingbird. So, you, just need to, uh, you just need to get like a parakeet called Atticus Finch and you've collected the whole yeah. bunch, mate. <laughs> well, we thought Atticus, but it's a bit bit long-winded. But anyway, Boo, and there's a famous song by Lobo too, you know. I didn't realise until after that. What I had to think of it, it's called Me and You and a Dog Named Boo. Well, that is just gorgeous. And has Boo, you know, uh, claimed his territory yet? Has Boo done a poo? Has Boo, Boo's you know, marked the territory in, in the house yet? He's, do- he's done a poo, but it only lasted once. And I did what? sort of. What does that even mean? Well, he'd only last well, once. It was only, no, no, no. It was only. Gee, you're, you're jumping on me tonight. <laughs> he did a poo and it only lasted once. That's not no, a sentence. No, it was a one offer. And uh, well, that doesn't I just sound said, healthy. <laughs> he has been using his bowels, but I'm taking him outside for a walk early in the morning. Taking a plastic bag, doing the right thing, and I'm yeah, picking up do that. Don't be don't be two. one of those assholes that like either doesn't pick up their poo, or even worse, they pick up their poo, they put it in a plastic bag, and then they leave the and plastic then, bag on a wall. Uh, there's a few people they, in my area. They dump it. So, those those poo poo yeah. pirates. Don't be a poo poo pirate. If you can learn anything yeah. from this podcast, don't be a poo poo pirate. So that's nice exactly. to know that um you know Boo has only done one indoor poo just to say hey. This is my area and I'm claiming it. And now, you know, he's on the straight and narrow. Booze, poos, twos. There you go. Now, yeah. um, with Chewbacca, he yep. sort of plays up, uh, you know, he's, he's mummy's little boy. He follows Maddie everywhere. Has Boo chosen a favourite in your household yet? Uh, yes, uh, Maddie's mother, my lovely wife, Maura. Bloody ladies, man. Oh. It, it is. And he... He's a bit like that. Look, I feed him, I give him treats. I'm the one that's taken him on all the walks. He's got to remember this. So as soon as I mention walk, he starts to get excited. So he's only been here since Wednesday. And uh, he knows I'm the walker. Yeah. So he better, he better know which side his dog biscuits buttered on. I'd say. Well, I feel like we've got this recorded yeah. now. So uh, Moira, if you are listening, you do have right yeah. rebuttal to, you know, if Ken is, you know, talking out of school and saying he's doing all the work and he's not, uh, we will allow you to retort. Exactly. I, I'm exactly. the same though. I find that uh, when when I'm making bacon, when I'm making bacon, 
Um, mm. You know, Chewy is all about me. Or if I've got some barbecue chicken, uh, some, mm. some barbecue chook, uh, Chewy becomes my best mate. But when it comes yeah. to just, you know, walking around yeah. the house, Chewy loves to just, you know, she yeah, throws Maddie to the toilet. Yeah. He, doesn't, he never yeah. wants to watch me take a poo. I mean, what's wrong? No. What's wrong with me? I feel... Oh. I feel <laughs> Uh, well, coincidentally, if anybody does want to watch oh, me we're take talking, a poo, we're uh, send your correspondence to fatherinlawcinemaclub at gmail.com. Now, speaking yeah. of which, uh, Ken, we have yeah. received some listener mail, uh, and I'm going to come straight right. out with it, from a man that we know. And I, I feel he is close to cyber-stalking us. He has sent us about 18,000 emails demanding that we review a particular film. And Bill, if that is your real name, you can stop with the stalking, with the cyberbullying, because today we are going to be reviewing the film Cinema Paradiso. However, I think we should look at the correspondence, Ken. Now, I'm not going to read this entire message because it is probably longer than the Lord of the Rings and the Bible put together. Um, you can tell Bill's an ex-teacher, by the way. Well, you, you, you'd be he's able to certainly written that. a couple of essays. Maybe we should grade them. However, he's you put know, it all up on the blackboard. Yeah. He definitely yeah. has. He's even yeah. like he's even got kind of like headings for different paragraphs. Mm, um, mm. He also just wants to have a bit of a go at us as well. Look, I'm not going to read the whole thing, but he's certainly having a go at us because uh, we mentioned the name of a processed meat in our previous That's episode. Right. Uh, Poloni, yes. uh, and I think what do you what do you in in WA we call that kind of meat that's like just processed and it it looks like dog food. We call that poloni, but what do you call it in Victoria? We call it stras, Jimmy. Stras. However, I think stress, we missed we missed yep. a couple, and Bill has pointed it out. Not only has he demanded that we uh, review a film, he's also asked that. Uh, <laughs> He's also pointed out our inaccuracies. So, you know, a lot of mixed messages coming through. What's Bill, what's Bill uh, mentioned about uh, our lack of processed meat representation? Well, he just said all over Australia it has a different name. And uh, in South Australia they call it Fritz, uh, which is sort of like a German, German sausage, I suppose. It's a bit like that. Uh, Tasmania calls it Devon, Windsor or Fritz. And then in Northern Territory, it is called luncheon or circle meat. Circle meat. Wow. Circle meat. I love it in the Northern Territory. Pickle, pickle sandwich, please. Yeah, sorry. Sorry, buddy. We're out of circle meat. We've only got triangle or uh, oblong meat. Square. Square meat. Well, uh, Bill, you can stick your Fritz round meat, Devon and Windsor, in your gob, because it's time to be quiet, because what film are we reviewing today, Ken? We're reviewing Bill's favourite all-time film, Cinema Paradiso. Ah, bellissimo. Presenting Cinema Paradiso, the Academy Award winner for Best Foreign Film. Every night, the streets were empty, because inside, lovers held hands. Children laughed. And the routine of everyday life was forgotten. Because here at the Cinema Paradiso, someone is making their dreams come true. In this little town, the movies are more than just entertainment. They're a way of life. 
but to this little boy, they are life itself. For the Cinema Paradiso gave this little boy a father, a lover, and a future. Cinema Paradiso, where a young man shared his magic with the town he loved. Cinema Paradiso, the Academy Award winning picture for best foreign film, capturing the highest box office gross since my life as a dog. The film Siskel and Ebert gave two thumbs up and Rolling Stone called magic, romantic, and fun. Cinema Paradiso, a celebration of youth, friendship, and the everlasting magic of the movies. Molto bene. Well, Ken, this film is certainly, among anything else, a complete love letter to classic cinema, not just mm. film, but the actual process of, of how people went and saw films back in the day. Cinema Paradiso, I mean, it's, it's certainly not a film I would have, like, jumped at, but I'm glad that, you know, this was recommended by Bill because it's, it's a lovely film, dare I say it. It's a, it's a beautiful film, Jimmy. Uh, I, I saw it many, many years ago at the cinema and, and I, I remember going to see it again at the Astor Theatre, which sadly all cinemas are closed at the moment, of course. And, but the Astor's a, a beautiful film to see, uh, a beautiful picture theatre to see such a beautiful film on a big, big screen and a, an old cinema. It's not one of those complex... Uh, because it's the cinema in the, in the movie... Uh, is an old-time cinema that country towns always had, didn't they? they yeah, absolutely. Of- and I'm a, I'm a Perth boy, and down in Fremantle, there was a cinema actually called Cinema Paradiso, and I, as a kid, had no what idea. What, yeah, and I had no idea why it was called that. I'm like, well, it doesn't, well, doesn't really feel like paradise. Funny. There's Maltesers yeah, on in- the floor, and, and it's sticky okay, on the ground. Okay. But, but it was named, okay. it actually had a picture from the film Cinema Paradiso, you know, probably copyrighted. So, you know, filmmakers of uh, Cinema Paradiso, uh, if you want to go and sue that cinema, they've stolen your Well, idea. I don't think they do. They'd, they'd love the fact that a cinema is called that. And, and that's how all the picture theatres were. Well, we called them picture theatres, cinemas, when I was a kid. Your, and- your local neighbourhood, we, we had one called the St James in Preston. There was a regent in Thornbury. Um, the Westgarth used to be... I'm just trying to think what the Westgarth was called... Some of our people out there might yeah, know, but, but it wasn't I know what you're saying. It's these beautiful classic yeah. cinemas. And, and yeah. this is sort of like, you know, the, the star of the film in many ways. And, and it, and it, it really tugged at my heartstrings actually watching this film because, yeah, we are stuck yeah. inside and we can't even go to the movies. And, God, I, I, we literally haven't been to a cinema for over five months because we're stuck in lockdown. And watching this just made me go, yeah. oh, man. I love this. And I would have loved to have seen this film on the big screen as well. I think it, it really lends itself to, you know, that, that, that wonderful experience that going to the actual cinema brings. But, um, yeah, I guess the background for this film, Ken, was that, you know, in the 50s in Italy, they were mad for it. They loved cinema. And I, there's some outrageous amount of cinemas that were in, you know. They had more, I think, per capita than anywhere in the world, I think. Yeah, it yeah, yeah. Like yeah. in the thousands. Yeah. And, you know, it, yeah. it was booming and Italian cinema was booming as well. And then it stored, sort of stopped, I suppose. You know, it was, it was just going gangbusters. 
And then, you know, the release of television and video and a whole bunch of stuff, um, you know, stopped these cinemas from booming and, and, you know, Italian cinema as well. And this film, uh, Cinema Paradiso, was actually played a a huge part in, you know, the, the rejuvenation of Italian cinema. It, it did, Jimmy. Well, post-war, uh, Italy was probably one, one of the biggest people to restart the, the film industry. Of course, Hollywood was always Hollywood. They always made films. But as far as Europe goes, because they were devastated by war. And uh, directors like De Sica, the, the Bicycle Thieves, they, they did this post, what they called it, neorealism, didn't they? That mm. black, black and white cinema, you know, the Bicycle, bicycle Thieves is a, a prime example. Beautiful film. Yeah, I studied and that at film school. Film. Yeah, and that's what it did. And, and that's, that was one of the things which one of our, you know, both our favourite directors, Martin Scorsese, he is such a fan of that Italian uh, neo-realism uh, uh, cinema after the war. And, and that's, that lends itself to uh, this film because it, it's really basically set post-war in Sicily that was devastated by the war. Um, you, you know the rubble and everything that you, you find through the film that, that uh, this town was bombed by the war. And it's beautiful as well, just the scenery, because they're set in these sort of medieval 16th century towns and you've got these gorgeous churches and, mm. uh, you know, remnants of castles and things in the background. But yet there's this sort of modernization moving into these very kind of old school towns. Um, but, but yeah, I guess the war had just ended and, and you, you do sort of see technology starting to move in to these old towns and cinema is, is a perfect example of, of that. And of course, this, right, film, right. this film is, uh, you know, written and directed by Giuseppe uh, Tonatore, I'm going to say. Tonatore, Tonatore. Um, and and uh, of course, it, he wrote it and, and directed it. And it's based on his own life experience of growing up in, in a small town in Sicily uh, and how he became a filmmaker, you know, from his experience of cinema. But I guess we should talk about the actual plot of the film, Kids. Why don't you sure. uh, give it a red hot go? Yeah, well, Jimmy, the, the film starts out uh, centred around the, the local cinema, as I said, post-war. And uh, Philip Noiré, who is a very, very famous French actor, who plays Alfredo, who is a projectionist in the local cinema. And he and absolutely steals the film. I reckon he's the best thing about this movie. He's brilliant. The, the only problem I had with that, and, and I did notice it, when I watched the film, that he's he's dubbed. Uh, he doesn't speak Italian in the film. Yeah. Uh, it's lip sync, like all those amazing Italian spaghetti movies that were made in the 60s, the Westerns, you know, with Henry Fonda. They can dub the voices, so it looks like they're speaking. But but look, you go beyond that. It, it's just the, the body language of the character. He's a gruff um, philosopher, isn't he? He's, uh, he's, his outlook on life, uh, is like his outlook on films. He's just a very, very smart, sensitive guy. And and this young, beautiful, beautiful little boy, Toto. Uh, uh, yeah, played by uh, Salvatore uh, Cassio, I believe. And he, he, he yes. you know, his, his character's name is Salvatore uh, in, in the film, but of course he's known as Toto. We, we love Toto, don't we? Because Toto was also the name of uh, the, the beautiful little dog in... Uh, uh, the last film, The Wizard of Oz. And it's also Dorothy's your favourite band from the 80s, isn't it, Ken? Uh, <laughs> 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 um, they weren't too bad. 
Yep. Look, they had but, one. Uh, it was great. It did great things for Africa. But yeah, yeah he's absolutely fantastic. And the chemistry yes, between, you know, um, Toto and Alfredo is, is palpable. It's so great. And I think they auditioned about 300 kids to play Toto. And um, they did. Yeah. They found, yeah. And it's great because I don't think he's a great actor, but he's just being this little kid and it's just so gorgeous. Oh, don't you think he's a great actor? I think he is a wonderful actor. It's, isn't that funny? I, I looked at it and I think to myself, it's a two-hander this. It's, it's, it's really his Alfredo and Toto. And yeah, I think just, he's a great actor, but I feel like the director yeah. just let him go for it. I don't think he was kind of well, acting. I yeah. think he was just sort of being himself, but it worked. Well, it, was, it was really yeah, great. I think, you've, I think that's probably what you've done. You, 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 you know, know, know a lot more about acting than I do. And I think that's probably why it is. He's so natural because the young... Uh, the young actor, really, Salvatore Cassio, never really went on to make anything else. And it was just this one film that, mind you, he did win Best Act BAFTA for the Best Actor, Supporting Actor. and uh, Yeah, this film, of- now that you say it, Ken, won a metric butt-ton of awards. Um, yeah. let's, let's it, won, it won everything, Jimmy, as far as a foreign film goes, yeah. What, what did uh, it win? It, well, it won Best Foreign Film, it won the BAFTA, uh, I'm pretty sure it won Khan. Uh, that's three. Golden Globe. I think it won. It won the big four. I'm pretty sure. I can't think of any other foreign film that's actually done that. It probably is, but uh, yeah. it was at one a wrath of awards. And uh, look seriously, it, it, it's it is a beautiful film. But it really but, is. I, I think, and yeah. like, it's a lovely story about cinema. Obviously, it starts, and and you've kind of got this, you know, pokey cinema, and the entire town loves it. There's no television, and they, you know, go and watch these films. And and that's a really lovely part of the film as well. Is you you meet all these different characters from throughout the town in these tiny vignettes from you know um, the old man that constantly falls asleep and everybody keeps waking him up and playing tricks on yes. him. And every time he wakes up, he's like, "I'm going to turn you into mincemeat." Or you know, there's the there's the vicar who constantly rings a bell uh, to censor the films. So they every time there's a kiss or some kind of nudity, um, they have to put a piece of they cut that bit of film out. So the films are heavily edited to the you know complete. Well, isn't that um, funny? The the, the local uh, the local priest is the censor, the town censor. Yeah. So, whenever, but he's. Uh, Wouldn't that just that, piss you off, though? You know, yeah. if a priest came in these days and just censored every single, you know, exciting and bit Jimmy, of a film. Don't you notice, though, that when he does, the priest lets it go on for a bit and lets him cut it. So it's typical of the old celibate priest that really deep down, he's, he sort of doesn't mind the girls having a bit of a kiss and a bit of a fondle oh, yeah. in the movies. And, and there's uh, also that scene, you know, later down the track where, you know, it's, they've moved uh, a, a fair way into the film and, um, you know, Toto is a bit older. But there's all this, I think they're showing kind of a, a colour film now because they've moved into colour. And there's all, those, yes. yeah, there's all those young men up the front just, you know, having a wank while the film... Well, is- well, that film I can remember as a young kid myself, actually. Oh, really? Because it had Bridget, it had, it had, um, it was uh, something to do with Eve, or when God created women or something like that. And I think it was Bridget Bardo's first acting role and uh, she's naked laying on a, a slab. You don't really, you see the side of her. You see a bit of her, bottom. You see some bum, tasteful bottom. Bum and whatnot, but it's, it's quite erotic. And uh, these guys are having a 
a bit of a fundle. Just jerk it off. Hilarious. Just jerk it and, off in the front row. And of course, the cinema guy comes up to him and says, hey, hey, and he, he whacks him over the head. It's really animated. No, he doesn't he whack him over him the over. head. He whacks one of them right on the dick. Like, oh, the dick. That's like, that is so Italian. Like in, in Australia, people but, will be like, oh my God, there's, there's like a, a lawsuit. He, but in, in Italy, they're like, hey, what are you doing? Just smacks him on the dick. And then, what but is then when he's doing that, he's watching that, and then he starts looking up at the screen at the song, and then he starts touching himself. And I, oh. I'm thinking, oh God! And then, yeah. then, then you move to the back, and there's an old fella up the back, and he's getting quite excited. And then the the the, the town prostitute wanders up, and then he looks around, and she grabs him by the so she's yeah. doing a bit of business. Absolutely. While Bridget's up on the screen. And it was really funny. It was hilarious. Yeah, it's, and there's uh, so many of those sort of instances. You know, you've got that little horrible... Little vignettes, as you said, the, yeah. the guy who sits up in sort of, you know, the... the well, that's, the, uh, that's the, the wealthy people. They're the clerks in the town and the business people. And down below is the poor. And that's the class system. And that's yeah, what it was but, like. In, and, yeah. and, but that yeah. arsehole guy at the top, just like, whenever he gets a chance, just like hocks a loogie and spits on the people down below. Yeah. And but then they throw, they throw a bag of shit. I think it's not one that Toto had done. But I think, no, I don't think it's a bag of shit. I don't think Italians just walk around with a bag of shit. I think it's a nappy. Like someone was um, chasing... Is that what bottle. it was? But <laughs> Who wants a bag might... of shit? Yeah, I, I, I will take a bag of shit to the uh, cinema just in case that uh, bourgeoisie <laughs> spits on me. Um, I thought it might have been one of booze or something, you know, they chucked it up on the uh, the upper deck. But, but yeah, uh, I think like that's my favourite part of the film is all those vignettes and you've got the guy, um, you know, who's who's clearly had a, like a lobotomy, who believes that he owns the town square. There's all those yes. sorts of things that I, I really loved and I feel like that's sort of my favourite part of the film. I also do love this, the, like we said before, the relationship with Alfredo and Toto and how, you know, at, in the beginning of the film, you know, Toto wants to, you know, learn how to be a projectionist, but his mother is, you know, very um, anti that idea. And of course, his father, <laughs> is, yeah, yeah. Yeah, his father is, you know, at, at war and, and missing in action. And we find out later, unfortunately, that he is, um, you know, killed. He died. But, so the mother had to bring him up on her own and she does like a wonderful job with him and, and he's, uh, he's he steals yeah. some film and and alfredo says you know like you can't have that film because it's going to catch fire and back then you know like that's how delicate film was if it was, it was know, exposed yeah. to heat it would it would burn and and hence that's why many mm. cinemas you know burnt down back in the day however you know he's so tenacious this little kid and they just become fast friends and i think there's that mm. beautiful scene where you know alfredo it has to do some kind of um, uh, edu- like test and exam. So all the little yes. boys are doing their exam and they bring in these old fellas and, you know, Alfredo has no idea what the answers are. And so, you know, little Toto uh, creates a bargain that if he helps him with this test, then Alfredo, even though, you know, he swore to his mother that he wouldn't, you know, allow Toto back into the cinema, he says, all right, I'll teach you, I'll teach you the game. But there's something really be beautiful... You know, he yeah. said, he talks about how he, you know, is one would love to give some advice to his kids, Alfredo, but then, you know, Toto jokes that he doesn't have any children. But I really think mm. that, you know, he takes Toto on in a very kind it's of... It's like his son, and you, yeah. you gather that he, he he never had a son himself. He's He's got a wife and whatnot that always brings brings him dinner and all that sort of business. But that bit you touched upon with the examiner, that's where I think that, that just won my heart. I thought that oh, kid is it's gorgeous. 
and, and um, you know, yeah. Philippe Noir, he, you can tell he's French. He's got that beautiful clowning ability. You know, he doesn't overplay yes. it, but he can say so much just with the raise of an eyebrow or that kind of buffoonery. And it's, it's just gorgeous. But there's, wonderful there's, there's some real heart to it, I think, as well, in that he, you know, really pushes Toto to get out of the town. He says, you shouldn't do this job, even though you love it and the cinema needs you, you are destined for, for greater things. For and greatness. So and we, we should add, too, that there, there is a tragedy that happens in the cinema, doesn't Of course, it? yeah. It's, Speaking of, you know, things films. burning yeah, down. Yeah. yeah. And it's exactly what you said with that film. Well, I, I, I don't know what it, it's called, what it was made out of, Jimmy, but it was very, very flammable. And, and of course, the lamps were really strong and one of the films gets stuck in the, the lamp. And, of course, the cinema burns down. Well, that's... That's sort of the end of life as it is mm. in the town. But, but uh, the amazing little Toto uh, saves uh, Alfredo's life because Alfredo is stuck up in the... And he's, he, he's getting um, with the smoke fumes. He, he passes out and he drags him down into the cinema. But, but he gets horribly burnt and he loses his vision. Which, you and, know, uh, is, is out of yeah. anything. Like, you know, I, I just... That is just an absolute nightmare. The, as a filmmaker myself... Uh, someone who, you know, animates and edits, if I didn't have my vision, you know, I'd be fucked. And the same That's way with right. Alfredo, yeah. he's just, he's yeah. been castrated, basically, you know, like he's lost yeah. his, he's lost his ability. He's However, lost his beautiful film. Yeah. Yeah. Still yeah. stays yeah. so positive and, and says such a great mentor for, you know, Toto, who then, you know, grows up and uh, we... Become we, the projectionist. Yeah, we meet Marco yeah. Leonardi, who, you know, uh, then plays, you know, the teenage version of... Toto. Yeah, yeah. He becomes and, and a projectionist. Yeah. And did you know he was born in Melbourne? Really? Uh, the the second Toto. He's actually a Victorian. Well, we do have a huge Italian population over here, so I'm not surprised. We certainly do, Jimmy. Ligon Street is, uh, as a young boy, that was the number one place for the Italian community. But I, but, I feel uh, like once we sort of lose our younger Toto, that's where this film lost me a little bit. You know, it creates this sort of romance and, and you know, the teenage Toto meets, yeah. um, you know, his, his, his squeeze and there's a bit of romance. Yeah. But I felt like I, I kind of, I, it lost me a little bit oh. there. Can I, can I tell you, Jimmy, and that's one of the things I remembered as a, a young kid when I first saw it, I couldn't stand the second half of the film. I not couldn't stand, but I thought it was just totally, totally miscast and they lost the plot. They tried to make it into a ridiculous romantic that just laboured. And uh, yeah. apparently there's three versions of this film, you know. It's the, the one that we had seen, which is a cinema release, which is about... I think 124 minutes, and then there's a 155, and then there's like a director's cut, which is about 186 minutes, which is like another hour. Like it makes it into this three-hour epic, but it goes concentrates on the second half of the film, and I just don't think it was necessary. I just it just just didn't work, and 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 that lets it down dramatically because. The first part of the film is brilliant. They still have the lovely little vignettes in the film with the characters. Mm. But then the, um, what it is, the Toto falls in love with this love at first sight, doesn't he? This beautiful yeah. girl. And, uh, and he, he spends about an hour trying to pursue her. And, uh, but then it sort of this, goes nowhere. She sort of leaves. It goes and, nowhere. 
and you know her her father moves somewhere else and he can't track her down and and then it sort of comes back to this idea of you know the cinema it obviously burnt down and then it was uh rejuvenated and renovated into you know this kind of very uh uh art deco style cinema yes and you know and and that starts booming but then of course you know the real message from Alfredo to Toto is, you know, you've got to get out of here. You've got to leave. Got to don't, don't you dare come back. I'm never going to see you. And it's it's really harsh and heartbreaking. But you can see why he's doing it because he really believes this kid has so much promise, and he yes. doesn't want him to become another version of himself. I believe right. so. He gets out of there, yeah. and this film. We should say this film is sort of played in a flashback as well. We see a, a much older. Um, Toto uh, played that by... That starts the film, we should add. That, that is the start of the film. Yeah, yeah the... which I think, again, was was really miscast. Like, he looks mm. fuck all like a young Toto. He kind of does in the end, but, like, the, the, whoever was casting this film was just like, ah, yeah, yeah sure, I'll pick that guy, I'll pick that guy. And it's two different characters. It's like the young Totos, you know, must have had an older brother, because it couldn't have been him when he's growing up, because it just doesn't look like him. And, of course, the older... We, we should add, at the start of the film, uh, the older Toto, which is the adult Toto, uh, uh, gets a, a telegram to say that Alfredo has died. Yeah, and, and, and that's, that's sort of why he's That's the whole flashback yeah. of the whole... Film. And, and it's established, uh, he's driving, you know, through Rome and he's got like a Mercedes Benz and you can tell that he's doing really well for himself and yeah, he's become yeah. this sort of like big either film producer or, or, or director. And um, yeah, it, it, it's, it, you can see that, you know, what Alfredo's done for him has made him very successful. However, you know, he, he still feels you know, a bit empty and his mother kind of says, oh, you know, every time I ring, there's a different woman answering the phone. And that's where I felt like it kind of petered out at the end in that, you know, he he hadn't found romance and, and he couldn't be happy without a woman. But the thing yeah. I did love was that, you know, he comes back to the town and they go to the um, funeral and he sees, you know, Cinema the characters that were... Make up is terrible. <laughs> yeah. That's they, one thing that... <laughs> I love the, I love when they try and make people old in 80s films. They just, you know, salt and pepper them and, and you're like, they were old anyway. This, yeah, do, do you love this line in it though too, Jimmy? He goes back to see his old mother and and he obviously has not seen his mother since he left the town as a like a 20-year-old. Yeah. So he actually comes back to his mother and she's got the room and they they hug and they kiss and all that sort of stuff and yeah and he's got uh, he's got a she goes back to his room that's been kept exactly as it was. Now, I call it. bullshit on that. <laughs> I call absolute bullshit. I remember when I moved out of home at nineteen. <laughs> like I I always watch those films where they're like, We kept your room exactly how you left it. I moved out of my house at nineteen. I reckon my mum waited about forty eight hours before ripping everything out of that room and turning it into oh, a mate. Freaking study. Well, I normally make it into a second bathroom. Yeah. So if you come back, you got to sleep in the bath. Oh, it's bullshit. <laughs> like, oh, if, any, if anybody has a family that has kept their, you know, original teenage bedroom in, in exactly the same way as you left it, please That's write right. in because I've never freaking ever heard of that in my life. That's right. Do you like the line in it too that he said to his mother? She said to him, oh, Salvatore, it... You know, he said, Mother, I feel so bad that I've never come come back to see you. He said, but she said, look what you give me. She obviously, he 
gave her yeah. a, like a beautiful home and he cashed well, her it's up. The old home, he cashed but, her up. But he cashed, cashed her up and renovated it and it looked magnificent. But she said, "It's no, it is two hundred. He said, "Look, it's only an hour flight." He's only <laughs> fucking lived an hour away from his mother. <laughs> He's a prick. What a douchebag. I just couldn't believe it. I thought he was lived, um, you know, he lived in the other side of the world. He was in New in York or something. No, he just lived in like the capital city. He's a douchebag. Yeah. But then he, but then yeah. I was kind of saddened as well. Like he's this rich guy and he sees, you know, the cinema Paradiso in ruins. You know, it's a derelict yeah. building. And I'm like, oh, okay, they're going to do the normal corny thing. He's going to pump yeah. it. He's going to inject it with funds and it's going to have, you know. Multiplex. Yeah. <laughs> but they just blow it up. They just kill yeah. it. I, I thought that, that was a real... A real anti-climax. They make it. They actually make it into a car park. So they go yeah. around to the cinema, and they they reckon that the director was a big fan of uh, Joni Mitchell, and right. uh, you know because in Big Yellow they take Taxi, Paradise they, and they put up a parking lot. They Paradise Paradise and put up a parking lot, and Salvatore arrives back in the house in a yellow taxi. Yeah. Oh, a bit of, oh, bit of symbolism. So, I like that. Yeah, but I, I, I did love the ending, though. I love that, you know, it, it's been kind of... Uh, That's a highlight, isn't it? ...the very yeah, start yeah. of the film and throughout the film that this priest was getting, you know, Alfredo to cut out all the rude bits from the film and yeah. then, then tape it back together. And, you know, he asks where, you know, all this film goes. And then, of course, when um, Toto comes back for the funeral, um, Alfredo's mother, who is still alive... Um, yeah. Oh, no, his, his wife, sorry. His wife his is still wife. alive. Goes, oh, he's, he's left you something. And then we find out, of course, that it is all of the bits that he cut out from films. And, and he goes... In a best compilation. Yeah. And he goes back to uh, his private screening room and his wealth and says to his mother, well... See you, Mum. I won't see you. I'll yeah. probably turn up next I'll time. I'll see you in 30 funeral. years. <laughs> I'll, I'll go to your funeral. And, uh, but he goes back and screens. And uh, the director, actually, Giuseppe Tornataro, was the projector guy that ah. puts the film in. Watch, that's a little bit of a... But that, that you know, gave me uh, a bit of hope just at the end of the film because I can remember watching that again and, and welling up. It was all these great scenes from American films with yeah. love scenes from, say, Gone with the Wind. All the kisses uh, and things. And you know all what? All the kisses. You yeah, know what I was yeah. really happy about, though, Ken? Yeah. What? That he didn't start jerking off in the front row. <laughs> oh, that was Bridget Bardo again. <laughs> yeah, that would have been, that would have just like, I would have been uh, like, oh, oh, no. Oh, no, Jimmy, oh, Jimmy, no, no, Giuseppe, no. What have you done? You've ruined it. <laughs> I think, um, you know, on that um, yeah. speak of ejaculation, it's a perfect time to oh, finish off. Out. Oh, God, you're blowing me away here, Jimmy. What are you doing? Hey, I'm on the other side of a Zoom conference. I'm not blowing anyone right now. Okay. <laughs> so, Ken, oh, I think... Is, this is R-rated, Jimmy. Boy, oh, boy. look, I'm in, I'm in lockdown. I'm going crazy here. Uh, <laughs> so, Ken, I think this is a good time to sort of uh, finish off, so to speak. Um, <laughs> How many uh, boxes of uh, popcorn are you going to give Cinema Paradiso? Okay, Jimmy. I'll I tell you what, I've, I've got it in two parts, so I'm going to put my scores together. The first half, four and a half stars. Lovely. Okay. And the second half, two and a half. All right, and, so uh, how does that average? would have only even been two, so I'm giving it three, which is a pretty low score, but that second half, you know, that... 
did did it in for me a bit. I think it was I was only going to give it two actually, and I think what had happened is that uh, at the last bit, uh, that beautiful montage of you know those films, you know, gave me hope again. You know, so yeah, absolutely. Let's do me maths. Two and a half and four and a half is seven. So that's sorry, that's three and a half stars. Well, it's harsh but fair, and I think I'm going to give it three, uh, just three. Um, I really yeah. liked it. I'm really glad that I saw it. Did it make me rethink cinema? Probably not. Was it like groundbreaking? Mm-hmm. Not, not massively for me. I did yeah. love the message it was giving about cinema, you know, the golden era and how, you know, it, it's, Very much it has so. got fallen yeah. by the wayside. Uh, you know, cinemas yeah. are struggling, especially these days. And, uh, yeah, you know, yeah. it's really sad because it is still such a wonderful way to, you know, and, explore and, and experience cinema. Through, like and watching exactly, it in a cinema. And, and can I say too, and one thing I, I, it's really a miss of me before we, we do finish up, is that, you know, it was also fitting that the uh, Ennio Morricone soundtrack, you know, that, that just runs through this whole film because mm. we mentioned him in our last episode, he passed away. And, and I think it's just, that was another beautiful thing. It was a romantic, lovely soundtrack which harks back to the olden days of cinema, I think, too, wasn't it? So, but I agree 100% with you, Jimmy. I think the message is beautiful. And uh, the, the end of this cinema getting just knocked down, um, you know, let's face it, it's all streaming. And, uh, and we can't go to the cinemas at the moment. And that's the thing that really made me quite, uh, quite sad watching the film again. That um, I just want to go back and, you know... Bucket of popcorn. I don't eat popcorn. I do like chop tops. And uh, <laughs> watch watch a movie in a cinema again. And that's and if people love film, you know, I can totally recommend uh, to go and watch this this film. Well, don't worry, Ken. I think we've got about a month to go in stage four lockdown, and then you know, fingers and so, toes too. crossed, we might be able yeah. to step outside and go on a father-in-law, uh, son-in-law oh, date. Well, Ken. Thank you so much, as always, for joining us. And guys, if you want a uh, film reviewed, you know, write to us at our email. We'd and love, Ken, we'd love that. See you next time, buddy. See you, mate. Bye-bye. This has been the Father-in-Law Cinema Club with Jimmy Eaton and Ken Tyres, produced by Jason Geary and edited by Jimmy Eaton. You can also follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and you can email us at fatherinlawcinemaclub at gmail.com. See you next time.